Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now, what's up, guys? It's your nope. boy Dorian here. Wait. Y'all keep setting me. What's now. up, guys? It's your boy Dorian here with Collider Movie Talk. I am your new host. So today we'll be talking about Dumbo. It stayed on the ground with 45 million. Um, we got Mark Hamill as Chucky uh, and Peace. Peace? There's one more, D. Uh, Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Collider Movie Talk. That is the extent of our April Fool's shenanigans. Thank you, Dorian, for indulging us. Oh, man, we have quite the lineup today. And I am so happy to be joined by Haley Fouch and John Roca. How you guys doing? Good, good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So we've got a lot to cover today, a lot of big stuff. And you know what? We're back from the weekend. It's Monday. I'm filled with tons of energy. So you know what the big question is? John Roca, yeah, can what, you handle it? What is the question? Never mind. What We're going to get into it right now. We're going into the weekend box office report. And what we've got for you right there is a not-so-hot start for Dumbo here. The movie opens up with $46 million. It did get that A-minus on cinema score, which is rock solid. But the question is, is it going to have legs? Because the movie has a reported production budget of $170 million. And now it just puts a big question mark on how the movie is going to do domestically and will it wind up leaning on the international box office in order to make its money back. Going down the list, though, we have us at number two, which big, which had a bigger hit than we expected. It dropped 53%, made another $33.2 million. Then, right below that, we had Captain Marvel with $20.7 million. Then, Unplanned, this one opened up a lot higher than many expected with $6.4 million. Then, finally, Five Feet Apart, which continues to hold strong, made another $6.2 million this weekend. Roka, we yep. got to start up top here with yeah. Dumbo. So, mm-hmm. I guess the one question I have for you is, 
what happened to Dumbo? I think a lot of things. I don't think it can be one thing. I think the timing of the release, I think... Avengers Endgame coming up soon, Shazam coming up soon. I think Tim Burton movies don't really draw like they used to draw. And I think some of the early buzz about it not being 100% positive kept people out of the theaters. And really, Dumbo is a depressing story. So do some people want to go in and see an even longer live-action version of a depressing story about an elephant that gets made fun of by everybody in the damn movie except the mouse until uh, it finally flies and everybody comes around one of these Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer situations. So can you see a longer one? And, you know, I'm not surprised. I think Tim Burton has a high bar to uh, to go, I don't know, to cross for a lot of people because they've been let down by a lot of his work for the last few years. And so to hear bad buzz or, or negative reviews about it, I think that in the end ended up affecting the film. That being said, the look of this film is incredible, incredible, incredible. That's the one thing I said in my tweet. The production design, the set design, they spent a lot of time on that. I wish they spent more time on the characters and storylines so this whole thing could have been fantastic. A lot of time and a lot of money. That's yes, the problem. true. <laughs> I do agree with you for the most part, though. I think there was a whole bunch of uh, factors when it came to, and you know, $46 million is still a nice chunk sure. of money, but even, uh, so going into last weekend, I think some of the higher predictions I saw were the movie falling in the 60 to 65 million dollar range and then disney their own projections were said to be modest and they said in the 50 million dollar zone so this is definitely under what they probably were hoping for but i think it's a combination of a whole bunch of things and i think being sandwiched between two especially big weekends at the box office are not helping it out but what i think kind of put the nail in the coffin for poor dumbo here is the fact that those reviews were kind of middling at best Mm. and i think this is the kind of movie that in order to kind of prepare it beyond the major hype that us had the weekend before. And I know it's not a lot of crossover audience. I'm talking about just the overall box office pie and how much there is to go around there. I think this needed just really good buzz, really good reviews, and that's not what it got. Of course, that A-minus cinema score is a nice sign for next weekend, but... I don't know. Again, Pet Cemetery, it's not crossover in terms of uh, genre or audience, but Shazam can definitely take away some of the family, uh, some of the people looking for a family-friendly film, so I'm a little worried about Weekend 2 now. Well, and you should be worried overall about this idea of animation to live action. Is it going to work? If we start to see more misses than hits, Disney may have to reconsider this, because already the fan base isn't 100% on board with this idea, and in seeing them uh, mess Dumbo up, uh, uh, what, uh, Pete's Dragon didn't do that well. Lion King people are looking forward to, but Aladdin people are waiting for a disaster with that. If Mulan doesn't turn out well with some of the changes they made to the script and the song and the storylines, if people turn on that, then what does Disney do at that point? Do they shelve this idea of live action, or do they start being a little more selective than than they have been in the past? That's my thing. Maybe they're choosing the wrong material to make live action. I don't know. Fair. Interesting question. And we're going to see that pan out quite a bit this year alone because we still have two more to go. Haley, can you weigh in on us's second weekend? Is this the kind of drop you expected? Uh, Sure. I mean, it's pretty standard for a genre film to have this kind of drop. I I think Dumbo's the more interesting story, frankly, because it's Mm -hmm. just like us did great again. And Mm -hmm. like, that's awesome. It's I mean, it did a little better than expected, but that it's a movie that has a phenomenal amount of buzz around it. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of did exactly what I expected mm-hmm. it to do. It's, 
Uh, I mean, Jordan Peele, as I think we discussed last week, now is in a position to really start doing whatever he kind of wants. Not that, it seems like he was already doing that. So uh, I, I think the people are in his team are probably very excited leading into this week's debut of The Twilight Zone that his name is out there so much right now. I do just really quick going to Dumbo. Yeah. I think you're really right about the sad factor because I yeah. I had no intention of seeing it because I was like I don't want to see the sad elephant movie and I've, I have to for work so right. I was like fine I'll go see the sad elephant <laughs> but like I really didn't want to see that it's, yeah. it's, it's a matter for Disney of like choosing wisely I think and when you not like you said there's not a lot of crossover between Dumbo and us but which one of those seems like more fun if you're an adult us. Fair point. Mm. You don't want to go see a little elephant guy get abused all weekend. You'd or you rather... could even go see Captain Marvel again, which is a lot of sure, fun. Sure, yeah. Instead of going to see the Dumbo Exactly. Movie, right? And all good for Disney except yeah, for us. True, true. It's weird. Fair I had point. the same exact concerns about Dumbo, but then while I was sitting and watching Dumbo, I grew new concerns when I wasn't as sad as I should have been. Oh, right. When a certain point. major uh, thing happened yeah. in the first act of the movie. I'm like, uh-oh. Not a good sign for the rest mm. of it. And, and no, I didn't love it, but there are certain admirable qualities qualities in it and I think you know the visuals are some of them there were a couple good performances in the mix I I particularly liked Danny DeVito in the end but yeah Yeah. this one is a little bit of a miss for Disney in the live action department so it'll be interesting to see how Aladdin and then of course what could be a juggernaut of 2019 Lion King does when they both come out later this year do you think we're done with Tim Burton as an audience, a movie-going audience? Like, I mean, it's been years, and you guys are horror people. Like, you know, so that's why I asked you to. You could do the witching. I'm like, are we done with Tim Burton? Well, Our audience is done. In coming up with my box office predictions yeah. for Dumbo, one because I, I had predicted, I put $45 million, and part of the reason I went below 50 is because the last time Tim Burton opened a movie above $50 million was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in 2005. Yeah. And I think that that track record might have something to do with the fact that he's not really making original stories anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that is point. very, very yep. unfortunate okay. because, you know, and it's a weird thing to think about because when I think about Dumbo and even Miss Peregrine, mm-hmm. I think the material there could really suit his style, but it's almost like there's something there's something stifling it. Like, I kind of wish that, you know, I know it's not fair to say, oh, well, like, I didn't like Dumbo because it wasn't what I wanted it to be, but I do think it would have been a stronger movie that maybe would have captured more of the magic of a flying elephant at a circus had he been able to tap into his weirder side a little more. I think that's exactly it. I don't think audiences are done with Tim Burton. I think that audiences continue to rewatch his old films because sure. they're his original films they have more innovative ideas and since he started doing primarily adaptations nothing has really hit across the board nothing has gotten great reviews or done a lot of money it's all been okay and it the only one that really kind of broke through that was frankenweenie which maybe wasn't the biggest box office success i don't know the exact numbers on it but was hugely beloved and Mm -hmm. that's an original story going back to his first original story but still an adaptation of material from before but technically i I don't care if he's adapting his own stuff i mean he Mm -hmm. needs to his stories things that come from him are more creatively viable and more interesting to people it seems and better received and it makes you wonder why he's not doing i know i don't need to move on but it's just like an interesting thing to think about tim burton because for the record loved yeah uh, Frank and Weenie did not do too hot. It yeah. made $11.4 million opening weekend, and it only grossed 80... I didn't realize it was this low, actually. $81 million worldwide on a $39 million production budget. Not but too hot there. But it did get very good reviews. It, was it nominated for the Oscar? I, and I, 
don't know, actually. I don't know. That was a question, not a statement. <laughs> but it, and it certainly has developed a very large cult following mm. around it. Whereas people have turned on wait, Charlie. Wait, wait. Yeah. The new Frankenweenie or the original Frankenweenie? The new one. Yeah. It was nominated for an Oscar. Mm. Yep. <laughs> best, best animated <laughs> feature. Um, I wouldn't have voted for it because I cried from start to finish. It's a very upsetting film. Start to fi- It's like, I know the dog comes back, but then you it- see the stitches and the bolts, and I couldn't mm. stop crying. <laughs> it was terrible and very embarrassing at a professional screening. Did you, did you cry during Pet Cemetery too? No, that's different. That's different. Okay. No, it, completely different approach to themes and ideas in that one. All right. Before I start to cry, we're going to move over to our second story. And this one is thanks to Steve and Jeff, who are in Las Vegas for CinemaCon right now. And the deal is, while they're there, it's all about, like, the studios and the exhibitors. So while they're there, everybody unleashes new ideas for the theatrical experience. And studios show off new artwork for their upcoming releases. So day one, what always happens is everybody goes crazy taking pictures of all the new posters and Steve and Jeff did that for us today and we got this great article on Collider.com. Go check it out if you want to see all of these for yourself but long list of titles here so I want to pose the question to you guys of everything in that article what stood out to you most? I like the the late night standee just because I want to take a picture with it. I think that would be a really fun picture to have for yourself as if you were being interviewed by the great Emma Thompson. I was going to say that one of my favorites was just that banner that uh, Amazon had up because it was basically like a big list of some of my Sundance favorites huh. between Late Night, they had Britney Runs a Marathon, Honey Boy was on there. It's just it's a very impressive slate right there. Oh, and the Godzilla one, just giant I, letters. That's yeah. what I, God, I want that in my house. Those look great. Like, yeah. like Those are the kinds of things where like I know it's a little cliche to say, but like if they were hanging in the rafters of my theater, I I would stop and look at them. Heck yeah. yes. Yeah, I got, that was going to be my answer. And also the other posters with the Godzilla, with, Go, mm. with Gogeta, Mothra, and Rodan. I mean, they, as a guy who grew up, as a kid who grew up watching those movies religiously, I, the level to which I'm excited for this is off the chain. And to see these posters being done so well makes me hope that they are taking this to the next level because uh, I didn't like Kong Skull Island that much. I liked the, original, the mm-hmm. other Godzilla, but like this, I hope they're going to a whole other level. But this, the Rocket Man is fantastic as well because I'm so looking forward to seeing if that's a good Elton John biopic. And uh, I would throw in the Informer, that last one they had at the end. I know nothing about this film, but this idea of the bird and their faces within the bird with uh, Rosamund Pike, I think, and Joel Kinnaman, I was just very surprised by it. And I'm like, well, this is a nice design because sometimes you show... You show up there, and you don't have all the fanfare. You gotta cra- You gotta grab them somehow. And I like that poster. It, it would have made me stop to look and see what that's all about. I do really like that poster that's up there on the big image. The one for uh, uh, oh my god, I keep wanting to say like abdominable, but it's but it's, not. <laughs> it's abominable. But I liked the uh, I liked the furry looking uh, poster. And then what yeah. was the oh the lodge? Did you see the poster for the lodge? It's oh. right up your alley, Haley. I don't think I noticed um, that one. The lodge has been making the festival rounds, or maybe. It was actually just Sundance. It's the movie with Riley Keough and mm-hmm. Jaden Lieberher from It, and that is a, a mighty creepy movie. And she is a true powerhouse in it. But when I saw that poster, it caught my eye just because of how much I loved the movie itself. But also, that's a cool, cool poster. Mm. It's a really cool poster. It's interesting. I'll have to revisit it because it didn't. When I was scrolling through, it wasn't one that leapt out to me. So it's, I wonder why. It was why. Like way towards the bottom. Maybe that was why. Okay. <laughs> All right. That is our little preview of everything going down at CinemaCon. I urge you, though, keep an eye on Collider.com because they're going to be debuting 
footage from upcoming movies, really hot titles. And then on top of that, there's a couple of movies that are going to screen in full there. So I know Jeff is doing a whole bunch of write-ups. Keep an eye out for his work on the website. All right. Before we move into story number three, I'm going to remind you that we're taking your live Twitter questions at the end of the show. Send them in right now using the hashtag Collider Movie Talk. Short, sweet, different. That's the key. It's that little Chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy. Those biscuits, now that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey everyone, this is John Roca. Before we continue today's Collider Movie Talk, let me ask you a question. Have you ever played Forge of Empires? Forge of Empires is a city-building game and also one of our sponsors for today's episode. In Forge of Empires, you can guide a village through the different epics of human history, from the Stone Age to the future. Through skillful planning on the battlefield, you can expand your sphere of influence and create an impressive empire. What's more, there are continuous content updates to ensure years of fun together with millions of players around the world. And guess what? You can switch between browser, iOS, and Android devices at any time while playing Forge of Empires. If you're new to Forge of Empires, I have some great news. For a limited time, Collider fans can go to forgeofempires.com slash Collider and get a bonus of $10 worth of diamonds. That's right, $10 worth of diamonds. So download the game today by clicking the link in the description of this episode. In order to get yourself a $10 starter package, this will give you 650 diamonds to start building your own empire. Diamonds are virtual in-game currency, no cash payout, only for new registrations, not transferable. Simply go to Forge of Empires slash collider now download install click claim gift and get 650 diamonds right from the start stay little chico pitbull mr 305 but it said mr worldwide and i'm here to tell you about my new podcast from negative to positive brought to you by my friends over at state farm i believe that to have success you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you you know the biggest risk you take is not taking one it's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why didn't you start with that? 
the breakfast stampede meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba. All right, story number three is one I am so excited to talk about. We have our very first trailer for Annabelle Comes Home. It is the third installment of the evil doll corner of the Conjuring universe, and it marks the feature directorial debut of Gary Doberman, who worked on the scripts for the first two Annabelle movies and also for The Nun as well. And as we already know here... Ed and Lorraine Warren, they locked all their creepy artifacts in their room there in order to keep people safe and stop them from wreaking havoc. But what winds up happening in Annabelle Comes Home is that Annabelle gets unleashed and she starts to awaken the evil spirits in the room. This movie is coming out on June 28th. I, for one, cannot wait. Roka, though, I'm very curious. (laughs) Did this trailer do it for you? Uh, It's a good question. Did it do it for me? Yes, and kind of no, but only because I'm not as familiar with the properties you two are, but it seemed to me like what you'd see in the 80s. Don't go in there. What's in here? Don't you open that door. It says not to open it. Don't you open that door. And you open it and you unleash this thing. Even though, like, how do you leave your kids home alone with these artifacts in this room without it being, like, triple, quadruple uh, locked? I don't understand that. seems like bad parenting. But it's a kind of easy way into an installment from this universe. So, I, But it felt that way to me. Seeing Patrick Wilson and uh, Vera Farmiga as Ed, back as uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren is great. But I wonder if they're not in the movie a lot, and I wonder if it's more focused on the, on the child and the girl and the doll, and they're just over to give it a little bit of credibility from crossing over from the country. So to me overall, it's got a great look. I think it'll appeal to the fans of the franchise, and certainly I was interested. And it got me on the jump scare at the end, not going to lie. got me the jump scare with the lifting of the uh, covers, so I enjoyed that. But overall, it felt a little bit like it had that little 80s horror vibe to it, so I wonder if that'll work for 2019. It's fair. A little familiar, I would yeah, say. Yeah, um, but Nothing But not negative, just wonder. Yeah, I get it. I'm super pumped to see the return of Ed and Lorraine Warren. But that was one of the bigger questions on my mind while I was watching this is, can I figure out how much of the movie they're really in? But really, I don't know if I care because I am such a big fan of McKenna Grace. Give her the spotlight the entire movie. There is no doubt in my mind that she is going to be able to kind of capture what Ed and Lorraine have done, especially as their daughter. And also, I think she's just a phenomenal young actor. So I'm really looking forward to seeing her be pretty much the star of this movie, I guess, alongside Annabelle. But Roka brought up, you know, style and and the familiar style, especially the familiar style we've seen all throughout this Conjuring universe. And it's something me and Haley have discussed quite a bit. Oh, over okay. The, yeah, I mean, in the past few months, if not the past few years. So I'm wondering, Haley, did you get any sense from this trailer that Gary Doberman is going to do something to make his movie in this franchise stand out? It's interesting because, yes, and I think actually it is that 80s feel, which is mm. traditionally they don't feel like 80s movies. They feel more 70s mm-hmm. or even older. Um, does it have the house look? Almost, I would say, no, it looks warmer. Uh, then, then you look at La Llorona or The Nun. Those were not warm-colored movies. Mm-hmm. This looks warm. 
Um, but it's it's the 80s vibe you talked mm. about, and I do think it can work because that's exactly what it felt like. Mm. It had a super 80s vibe, yeah. which was also co-written by Gary Doberman. And that's kind of the feeling I was getting from the energy of this trailer. But uh, what didn't work for me so much was them trying to put in, like, whole scare scenes. Not whole, obviously, but these little, you know, 20-second snippets <laughs> of a mm. bigger scare scene yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. work for me. I don't think that scare scenes translate like that in a trailer and i maybe i'm just not the audience for it because i watch too many horror movies but that to me was like well that's goofy like yeah there's gonna be a jump because yeah i gotta end your trailer right now mm. so we know exactly where this is going it's a it's a fair point and i think my face was contorting a little as you were explaining it because normally in trailers i do veer towards trailers that let moments breathe a little more but yeah. admittedly and again it might be because i'm in the same boat that i've seen so much of this that they're not mm. going to get me in a mere like 15 to 20 second scare scene but i do wonder if that'll only work in a horror movie trailer if it's even longer than that you know like almost where it's a full teaser trailer that lets one creepy moment play out. Yeah. Like I, I don't know if I'm remembering incorrectly, but I feel like didn't Lights Out do something like that at some Oof. point at the very beginning? No memory of that. Oh, okay. I apologize. I <laughs> um, but I just, it's not that I don't like trailers that breathe. I, I do. It's that I think that scare scenes in order to work are very precisely composed. And when you cut that down to 15, 20 seconds yeah. for a trailer, mm. it doesn't work. Well, precisely composed. And there's also, there's so many different components of it that that I feel like usually go unrecognized. It's like I constantly think about the value of inserts and taking mm. your time in order to build dread, and a trailer just doesn't have that luxury. Mm. No, uh, it really doesn't. So that part didn't work for me, but what I, I do... Of course, I love McKenna Grace. I, I, <laughs> I do like that they're leaning into sort of like... The, the biggest crossover event of like mm. the universe and how many cool things they can do inside that room and when the, what did you touch everything so I'm hoping that they really play with the arsenal they mm. have and don't hold back I think they're going to I mean that idea when they announced at a comic con last year was just because yeah. like, even though I think the Annabelle film franchise did a major bounce back for me when David Sandberg stepped in because I really did love creation I didn't necessarily walk away from that thinking to myself you know, I want more Annabelle movies versus, let's say, you know, The Conjuring 3 or even like a Crooked Man movie. I still really mm -hmm. like that idea, too, even though I don't know what's happening with that. It's been like seven years. Since I know, heard really. <laughs> but I think the idea of combining The Conjuring film franchise with a Night at the Museum vibe is just pure genius and we do get a number of glimpses of other evil entities and a whole variety of them i think the one that caught my eye the most was whatever that scarecrow thing is with the mm. the coins in its eyes walking down the hallway yeah that I is like my that. speed I, i'm interested to see what the creature creations do end up looking like as well because you know there there is a house style certainly in the way that the ghosts and the spirits look in the conjuring franchise and much of that is drawn out of james wan's sort of dark eyes and pale faces that he always likes to do in his scary movies mm -hmm. and i just i don't know like i said something about the energy of this trailer felt yeah. different for me and i'm curious if that's going to manifest in that way and i hope so i'd like to see something a little different mm -hmm. i was trying to look up if javier botet or uh, yeah. joe bashara were on the cast list but 
I'm not quick enough, and I don't think so. I hope they are because their creatures are some of the best. They have creatures and evil, enti- evil mm-hmm. entities. What was the samurai thing? Is that something that's been talked about? Have you guys? Uh, has that been in any of the movies? Nope. Nope. Okay. That's, there's some that new. That caught my eye because yeah, the samurai, I'm a massive stuff. samurai guy. So even that color wheel going around, I was yeah, like, yeah. This that is was a, a nice, different look. It was a nice. T- well, that I mean, that is the thing to me that stands out is is the pops of color. Yeah. Because we don't, we haven't really seen too much of that in any of the no. uh, the Conjuring films thus far, but. I also like it as just like a unique little touch. It's like you know how you get those things stuck in your head. It's like like the conjuring. It was the uh, the box uh-huh. like with the spinny thing. It's just there's certain little touches like that that make me want to like walk away and have that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I would want probably a creepy color wheel now a little bit. Yeah, yeah. cool. It yeah. looked like a Simon Says, which is it another did. 80s it did. Reference, right? I, I feel like, like it was a makeshift Ooh. lamp with yeah. a with a Simon Says thing turning yeah. around. I was like that's a nice eighties reference. I feel like there was something route. else that I was thinking of that they had done really recently. Did one of the other conjuring movies? have like a nightlight that spun around what was the, I, there's definitely something mm. with a nightlight probably there's too many Perry there's a there's yeah. a lot of them but there's something very recently that, <laughs> and like specifically that I'm thinking of right now it'll come to you as soon as the show is I over know it will. <laughs> yes. so it goes that is life all right we're moving on to story number four which hey Roka it's another horror story Hey-o. so this is a big one though this is really cool Mark Hamill made this announcement himself on social media that he will be the new voice of Chucky in the Child's Play reboot. He wrote, I can't wait to bring such an iconic character to life and present him in a way you've never seen him before. Mm. This movie also stars Aubrey Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry, and it's due in theaters on June 22nd. Wow, June is horror heavy. Mm. All right, Haley, we've spoken about this at length as well. I'm a big fan of the current ongoing series of child's play movies i think they're still fun and fresh and i don't want to see them go away so i was very very sour on this reboot the second was announced then they add aubrey plaza then they add brian tyree henry and now they add mark hamill of all people and i did not think that voice could be replaced for anything Mm -hmm. but this has me changing my mind quite a bit are you in the same boat I'm pretty similar to what you just said. I mean, I definitely was pretty vocally upset about it when it was announced because I I do love what Don Mancini is doing, has continued to do with the franchise for all these decades. And I loved that in the Hollywood landscape, there was still this old horror franchise that hadn't been rebooted, hadn't been remade. That was really special to me. So I was definitely... Like you said, sour about it. I was a little salty, and I wasn't super <laughs> cool about it online. Um, but yes, the casting turned out to be great. And then what really turned me around was the first footage that they showed. I was like, oh, that actually looks really good, mm. that first teaser trailer. And yeah, this... How can you be mad at this? He's one of the greatest voice actors ever. He's he's a nerd icon. He's, a, by all accounts, a lovely human mm-hmm. being. Exactly the kind of person you want in your revamped horror franchise. I really thought that Brad Dourif could never be replaced. Mm. Nor can never. he. No, I know, I know he can't, but that was like... The not the one. There were a couple at the time, but that was one of the major pieces to this puzzle. That yeah. either you find that miraculous individual that gets it right, 
or the whole thing is going to fall apart. And never in my wildest dreams did I think no. that Mark Hamill was going to get this opportunity. And I think he, I really do think he is that one person out there. And I really do narrow it down to not very many who could actually fill his shoes on this. And it's not, I, I think what's really cool is when you get Mark Hamill, you know that he's not going to, not to like turn your word against mm-hmm. you or anything, but replace it because he's going to do yeah. something very different. That's, you know, you don't take on a character as iconic as the Joker and the voice work and make it your own unless you're incredibly gifted at voice work right so i'm i'm yes perfect casting honestly inspired casting mm-hmm. genius well done yeah, yeah. team a much better way to put it uh roca you're familiar with a lot of mark yeah. voice work so where do you land on this and i'm also curious to get your take on what Haley just said because i think yeah. that's a really great way to put it is that he's probably and hopefully going to channel what brad durf did in all the other films mm-hmm. but also make this his own yeah i mean i think it's a great uh casting decision I th- and i'm surprised you two were salty about it or sour about <laughs> it that was surprising to hear because you guys are always so welcoming to any horror thing that comes down the pike. So I'm always surprised by what makes you guys sour. So that was surprise. But look, they made the right decision because both of you have turned around on it. And you're not the only ones. Immediately when we put up the movie talk twit, tweeter, tweet about the show and mentioned <laughs> the Mark Hamill thing, so many fans responded and were like, this is inspired casting. I love this. Blah, blah, blah. So anybody who might have been joining with you two and being sour or salty about it looks like they've turned around on it. And yes, I do push back a little bit that only one person can do it as a voiceover, as knowing many successful voiceover actors and doing the podcast that I did with Yuri a few years ago, a couple of years ago. There are plenty of people who can do the voices. They need the opportunity to get in there and do it. Brad Dorf is iconic as the voice of Chucky, but John DiMaggio did the voice of the Joker in Under the Red Hood, and it's fantastic. So there's plenty of voiceover actors who could have probably evoked Chucky, but this is a smart-ass move to use Mark Hamill because of what you said, Haley. The nerd credit, he's hot now off of the Star Wars stuff, and people love Mark Hamill for the Joker work. So he has a very strong resume as a voiceover actor in multiple different genres, multiple different voices and different types of properties. So you're right, Perry. He will absolutely take an honor what Brad Dorif did and do his own version of it and I think it'll work and I think it'll be the perfect choice to work with Brian Tyree and Aubrey Plaza. Mm-hmm. You want another voice to work with those two actors because they're creating a new version of it and it makes sense. I want to address your question of why we became sour salty snacks over oh, this. Oh it's just surprising. No, no, no. I, I'm there's not a criticizing reason. it at all. No, yeah. well, you can criticize me. I can take it but there's a reason um, because yeah. in general I'm very pro remake reboot do whatever you yeah. want with a story but this one derailed a franchise I was already loving. It stopped mm. that in its tracks and yeah. then restarted it. However, we now know they're going to do a TV series out of it. So that takes some of the sting away. Cool. We'll still get to see that storyline continue. It was more that they had just come out with a new Chucky movie that I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the they were like, that's over because we're doing cult. a reboot. The one in the Insane Asylum, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that, yeah. I think okay. that's why my focus has been so narrow in, in regards to casting the voice actor to play Chucky, too, mm-hmm. is because... Mm-hmm. It's it's not like we are X amount of years removed from sure. Derv's version of Chucky. Right. It's something that's going to exist while I'm watching this new movie. Mm-hmm. And the idea, I mean, that that is the other thing. It's like now that I'm even thinking about it, I want him to honor the original voice work, put his own spin on it. It is going to be interesting to have two voices for the same mm-hmm. character in my head, especially when that voice is such like a strong, wild, silly, terrifying voice. It's 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 a very unique combination. And I don't know if I could quite compare any other voice opportunity to like what it means to be Chucky. Maybe it's just because I, I 
mm-hmm. love that character sure. so much, and he, he's so just like crazy colorful. And if anyone can do it, I think it's Mark Hamill. Mm. Agreed. All righty. One more story today. We've got another trailer for you. This one is for The Dead Don't Die from Jim Jarmusch. So this one, we don't have an official synopsis for the movie just yet, but as you guys will see in the trailer, it stars Bill Murray and Adam Driver as two cops tasked with addressing a new zombie threat. They're not the only ones in this movie, though. Again, as you will see in this trailer, this has a laundry list of wonderful (laughs) stars, including Tilda Swinton, uh, Steve Buscemi. We've got Caleb Landry Jones. So many more. I'm not going to list them all. Roka. Yeah. Okay, wait. I actually have a different question for you because we were talking about this earlier, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if this crossed your mind at all. Today is April Fool's. (laughs) So this trailer popped up online, and there's been a lot of information about this movie for a while now. I knew he was making a zombie movie. I knew it was going to have a comedy spin to it, but then this trailer dropped, and it had me worrying. Like, why drop this trailer if there's not some sort of April Fool's element to it? So now I love this trailer so much, but I'm terrified that the next (laughs) one's going to feel entirely different. I hope not, but Should I don't I think worry? so. No, 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 because it's Jim Jarmusch, and this is his kind of humor, and so it go. totally makes sense to me, but it's a legitimate concern to have. We were talking before we came on that the Gotham thing that got released about the Joker coming back, is that an April Fool's Joker or not? Cause I think a lot that's of, just wishful thinking. Yeah, maybe, because a lot of people are split on how that Joker looks. So, But this looks fantastic, and I'm not always the biggest Jim Jarmusch fan. I know it was in to be into him when he was independent movement all kinds of stuff but I really I go to the ones I like Dead Man I like a lot Broken Flowers I like they're A Night on Earth I think is what it's called I like that one uh, uh, so there are certain ones that I like this one looks like my kind of flavor has a little bit of that zombie land feel to it but also seeing Driver do comedy is always great I love that Chloe is doing a little comedy Chloe rarely gets a chance to do comedy so it's nice to see her hit those beats Murray of course it's, uh, evoking a zombie land in essence but Iggy Pop in this Tom weights in this is so much fun and this idea it feels very much like the george romero vibe to a little bit of humor to it and so all of it i just like and uh i'm a thousand percent i i love it's very interesting the tilda swinton thing like you know sometimes you hire an actor and they go well i'll do it but i need to do the scottish brogue Mm -hmm. that makes no sense but all right we'll put it in because it works for the movie but her having a samurai sword evokes a little bit of the michonne thing from walking dead so i I do that that kind of hit me um but it has great humor so from the trailer very much loved it very much looking forward to it and as i said i'm not always the biggest jim jarmusch fan but this hits me right Haley, i actually think you're in the same boat right very similar. You, especially like the first two minutes of what you said was yeah. almost exactly what I said on Witching Hour today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm super stoked. I love this trailer, and uh, it's funny you mentioned not all the Jim Jarmusch movies are for you. I feel the same, except like the ones you named are the ones I don't super care for. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but I I love everything about this trailer. I'm a hundred percent sold on it. it. It was already on my list of like, oh, keep an eye on that because that sounds interesting. But now it's maybe like. After Godzilla, my most anticipated movie of the year now? Yeah, so that, that trailer super duper worked for me. High praise right there. Yeah. I am, I'm quite pumped as well. My worst nightmare is that, that what, what was it? The Gotham image yeah. winds up being real and this winds up being fake. That's yeah. not going to happen. That's, oh. not how, that's not how this world is going to work today. Oh, no. All right, guys, that is our news lineup for you. But as always, we got a whole bunch of plugs. First up, we have so much Avengers Endgame coverage coming your way, and it actually started first thing this morning. So go check out the Collider video feed because there's a brand new video up today. You're going to get more tomorrow. So 
many more thereafter, so I hope you're ready for it. Also, there's a new episode of What the Throne coming up as well, if you're into Game of Thrones, and really, who isn't? <laughs> Check that out. Oh, and Sports Time. What happened on Sports Time today? Yeah, uh, we had Jay Washington join Matt Nose and I. We talked the NCAA Elite Eight tournament games that happened over the weekend. We also talked a little bit about NBA with LeBron getting shut down by the Lakers, what that means for the Lakers going forward. The Celtics, are they a, a candidate for first-round exit? And also, Josh Rosen, who are the Cardinals going to work out a deal for to get Josh Rosen? So we talked about all of that over the hour long and took some of your comments from the chat. So uh, watch that episode on the Collider Sports YouTube and podcast feed. And Haley, there might be something called the witching hour dropping tomorrow morning. What did we talk about? There might be. It was a good one. It was a big full it episode. It really was. Yeah. Um, so we obviously we discussed that trailer a little bit. We did a very loving and delightful review of Santa Clarita Diet, which is mm. one of my favorite shows on Netflix. Just came back for its third season. We talked about our three essential Stephen King adaptations, or we did our best. And I would like to extend an apology to the listeners. My uh, cold lingered a little, and at the end of the episode, my lungs were over it. So I'm sorry you have to listen to that. But it's a fun conversation leading up to the total fire that overtakes us at the end. I feel like that apology is nowhere near the apology I have to give to both you and Cody for the shenanigans that happen after we wrap that you will hopefully never, ever hear. All right, I got one more plug for you guys right now and it is a special one that i'm very excited to announce if you remember we used to do a show called collider ladies night and that show came to a close but guess what it's coming back in a brand new form we are completely turning it on its head collider ladies night returns this week and it's going to be a long form discussion on wonderful ladies in hollywood that you should know and our very first subject is one of the stars from pet cemetery amy simons Here's a clip. Going back to that point in your career, like where was your mind at when you were making shorts? I accidentally am an actor. Accidentally. And, and that was because I started as a, as a writer and a filmmaker, and I was cheap, and I also didn't have to explain things to another actor, um, and I had very weird ideas, and so I was like, I'll just do it. Check it out, guys. Wednesday, not to spoil the episode, Amy is super cool. She's incredibly talented in front of the lens, and she also has a really, really long resume behind it as well. So if you are curious about breaking into the industry your own way, doing your own stuff and making your own crazy stories the way you want, she's got a lot you're going to want to hear. Now we've got some live Twitter questions, (laughs) and brace yourselves because I picked some interesting ones. Here's one for you, Roka. Edward Harrell wrote, Hey, gang, if you didn't hear, Paramount sent out that a special Bumblebee VHS tape was going to be released. It was an April Fool's joke, which was a great idea. So what are some of the best and worst April Fool's movie stories you've seen over the years? You got a tape, though. I did. There's a tape on your desk right now. I'm going to take that tape home. It better be Bumblebee. I tell you that right now. If it isn't, we're going to have a conversation because I have two VCR plays. I'll be damned if I'm going to drag them out of the attic and hook them up and not have it work. So it's Revenge hopefully. of the Fallen. <laughs> Which wouldn't be a bad thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or Dark of the Moon. Uh, but like, uh, so, but I love this. But this, uh, what practical joke? Is that in a movie? Or is that like in real I mean, life? I think, so, 
Okay, now this feels mean. Um, <laughs> I think that he's referring to like movie related April April Fools oh. jokes and like one of my sites that run fake stories. Well, you're aware of one of my least favorite, which is just that. Now, I might be a little uh, a little sour to bring that word back on those <laughs> kinds of April Fools jokes because I spend all day trying to curate material for this show. Right. So I'm like spending all this time scrolling through stuff, and then it like it takes away a second of brain power, and I'm like, is it real or is it fake? Mm. And then sometimes people. People run things that are fake that sound really cool, and yeah. then they're fake, and that makes me sad. Right, I would agree with that. That's frustrating. I think we should get rid of April Fools completely. I really do. I think it's the dumbest. Where's Dorian thing in the world. when we need a poll? Yeah, right. Chime in. Should we get rid of April Fools completely? Why? Yes. Why do you want to pull pranks on people? Like the people are like, there's so much going on in our worlds. We're all trying to survive and work hard and pay our bills. But the last thing we want to do is being be in a situation where we act the fool or being made the fool. Like, damn it, that's time I wasted. On a stupid joke for you. For your enjoyment. <laughs> Not you personally, right? But like okay. for your enjoyment. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I support it. Down down with April Fool's yeah. 2020. Put it on the ballot. All I right. Had a, I had a friend call, or not friend, I'm sorry. I had someone call a friend. And say their uh, girlfriend was in an hour, boyfriend was in an accident. Nope. As April Fool's. And <laughs> Not I was funny. Like, what the F? Anyway. I wonder, How is that a joke? I don't know. People are weird. I wonder if, if I'm going to get in trouble for telling oh, this story no. now. Oh, dear. One, one April, I'm sorry, Lonnie, and I'm sorry, Mama Nems. One April Fool's, when Lonnie was still in college in Miami, she told she called my mom and said she had gotten pulled over for running a stop sign, and she had uh, an open bottle of alcohol in the car. So she called my mother, like, absolutely panicking, and my mom has absolutely, like, no brain space for thinking of something rationally before freaking out. So that was just, like, a big, epic failure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, poor yeah. mama. No. I, so it's like April Fools is just like a call to have a mean spirited joke at someone else's. Yes. I think it is literally. Isn't it like you're a fool? Ha ha ha! And I'm hilarious. <laughs> right. That's the whole spirit of the what holiday. If what if your boss walks up to you and goes, "You're fired," and they spend the whole day last, and then at the end goes, "April Fools." That's terrible. I'm sure that's happened, Perry. Of People course. are damaged. Oh no! Wait, let me try to spin this around now because okay. Tanashi wrote, "Since it's April Fools' Day, what is your favorite prank joke from a movie, and what movie has the funniest behind-the-scenes gags?" Funniest behind-the-scenes gags. All right, while you guys think about it, yeah. I, here's some April Fool's stuff I want to applaud because I think it was very creative and it was fun for everybody involved. And it's what our team did last year oh, yeah. on Collider Ghost Video talk. where they had Ghost Talk mm. and they had the Top 50 Sandwiches. Cause, yeah, that was fun. One, they were funny. Two, they didn't derail your day. Mm. And three, they were just like production-wise, they were very well done. Yeah, so yeah. I applaud them. Well, that was for fun, and you knew it yeah, was for fun. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what April Fool's should be about. Right, that's fair. It's like I was busy this morning. I was working so hard on my marathon announcement video, and I knew maybe April Fool's was not the best day to release it, but it's like I had to get going on the campaign. I couldn't just sit and wait. And so it's like I make this huge announcement, like, I am going to run a marathon finally. Yeah. I didn't say it like that to myself, but I did now. <laughs> and all I got was replies that said, like, Oh, it's a joke. Uh, it's not a joke. I'm really running it. <laughs> Next year, you know, to launch on April 2nd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope it's I, again. I think the, the key in what you said and what was good about last year's content is that it points the finger back at us. It makes fun of our own content by making fun of the top 50 list or the, mm. you know, movie talk or whatever. It's not like you're so stupid for believing what I just told you. Right. I like that spin on it. I think you nailed it. Weekend of Bernie's. That's the greatest April Fool's joke ever turned. All right. That he was dead the whole time and everybody's fooled that he's alive. 
right. Yeah, yeah. That's I'll, a good one. I'll accept that one. That's the only one. Uh, Saw? Pretty good prank. Oh. No. no. Just same thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that one. Or Carrie? Pretty pretty hilarious prank. Oh, yeah, no, there's a lot of good pranking in horror yeah. movies, though. <laughs> the pig blood? Yeah. They're hilarious. Really is. No, it's terrible. It's pranks terrible. are awful. Don't do pranks, guys. Well, now I'm thinking about us and, like, when she takes the, the toy out of the closet. That's kind of a prank. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good call. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. If you didn't see it, um, hopefully you saw it. All right, how about one more question? Sure. A food-related question? Are we open to that? Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know why I'm like leaving that for the table. <laughs> broom Kid wrote to us. What's your favorite? Oh shit! Not Broom Kid. Oh no. <laughs> What's your favorite movie snack at home that you don't get at the theater? Mine's hot coffee and scones. What? Hot coffee oh. and scones? You can so have classy. hot coffee at the movie theater, Broom Kid. And you can have scones in Britain at the movie theater. Um. Sneaky son of a bitch. I don't think you're supposed to bring your scones into the theater. You can bring beer in the theater in Europe. Oh, you do it now. You can here. have here. Yeah, yeah. That was a, they've been doing it in Europe for years. Our flight is wine and beer. Mm-hmm. Wine and beer. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly how I go into every movie. I can't. Every time it is, all I think is rent. Um, yeah, I, oh, yes. Right? That's I just how got really excited. Wine and beer. Um, what I do for, I do caramel corn so what that means is not like what you get i will take a bag of smart food corn i will melt some caramel into a bowl and then with a spoon i will just dip it in and put it in my and that's that because i can't do that at the theater it already comes caramelized up. i love how you so, had to explain to the yeah. point of actually eating yeah that's how i that's how i eat it which is i get more caramel per kernel so for nugget I, for nice. nice. <laughs> my go-to is frozen yogurt Oh, well, oh and like, why? One. Why is there no frozen yogurt in movie theaters? Because point. people have to clean that up. Well, they have to clean up slushies but anyway. Like ice cream. There's ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, so totally. it's like that I should was... be the next step. Frozen yogurt. Yeah, those Haagen Dazs bars melt quick. Guys, Pinkberry has a flavor called cookie butter, and oh, it's so good. It's not okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so happy. You know, I about saw the it. sign, and I was like, well, I have to go taste <laughs> that. <laughs> it was supposed to be like a February only thing, yeah, and then no. it was still there in March, and I'm like, don't tease me like that. It better be there forever now. I just want to hear. I just want to see Haley's car screeching tires. What? <laughs> you assume I drive. <laughs> Joke's on you. My favorite snack is my arsenal of hot sauces that I cannot bring to a theater that oh. I like to pour on my popcorn. All right. <laughs> I hope we, we gave you a whole bunch of like food smuggling into theater ideas right now and like all the giggles in the world because clearly that's what happens at this table. Thank you guys so much for watching this episode of Movie Talk. As always, a thank you to Haley and Roka for being here. Thank you for all the hard work to Adam in the booth back there. You rock. Guys, we are going to be back 4 p.m. PT live tomorrow for a brand new episode. But you know what? Right now, like and share this one. Tell everybody you know about Movie Talk here on YouTube and also on the podcast network as well. Oh boy, so much content. We'll see you tomorrow with it all. Hey, little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.